Hey everyone and welcome to the OS Training Podcast. Today I'm delighted to welcome uh, Olivier. Welcome. Hey Steve. Uh, nice. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, equally. I've been talking with you for many years now. I feel like um, uh, we share a lot of things in common. You, you're a teacher like me, right? Uh, uh, yes, as a, as a sideways uh, kind of thing. I never started to be as a teacher, but uh, I kind of ended up uh, doing <laughs> becoming that a bit. <laughs> so you teach French. I mean, if I if I Google phrases like learn French, then you're up there. Your website, frenchtoday.com, is up there with uh, Duolingo and all the big guys when it comes to the search results. Yeah, with all the big guys, I have lots of funding. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we've our placement is uh, is actually pretty good on Google. So we're we're pretty lucky for the, with that. And actually, uh, yeah, so it's my my wife and I. Uh, my wife is Camille, and she actually is the French teacher. Um, and basically, uh, we work as a team, so it's a two-person company, and uh, she is more of the content author and uh, and and the teacher. And um, I do some teaching, uh, but it's mostly on advanced conversation and things like that. So um, I can't explain the rules of French grammar as well as my wife does. So she she's mostly uh, mostly the person doing all the uh, the heavy teaching. <laughs> So, you're just a, a two-person band, and you managed to do some pretty, some pretty cool heavy lifting. You sell audiobooks, and you sell access to your classes through a WooCommerce site that has now spun out uh, mobile apps, and you're building a desktop app, and just by yourself and with some contractors, you're doing some pretty impressive things with WooCommerce, right? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, we we. Um we're lucky enough that uh, we're just two people, but we're, we've got very complementary uh, skill set, and um, I tend to also have uh, had a, a kind of a design graphic video background, as well as a marketing background, as well as kind of a techie background. So, uh, yeah, we 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 do cover a lot of ground, just the two of us. Uh, we we do get sometimes help for the the really heavy lifting sometimes. Uh, we work hard, but um, it's something that we, you know, we, we've we've had the opportunity to grow uh, higher out and, and things like that many times over. But um, uh, it's actually something that we're we're self you know we're self limiting ourselves. We we do not want to have staff. Uh, we're kind of trying to really live kind of a, um, a lifestyle to work kind of balance and and try to. Uh, um, to really kind of focus, you know, not just on work, but focus on our life and quality of life. So, so we do a lot of things, and we could do more, but uh, uh, I think you know we're, we work hard enough already. <laughs> well, take me take me back to the beginning. You're um, you're French. You live um, you live in the northwest corner of France at the moment. Yeah, so I live in a little uh, uh, um, seaside town that's uh, 8,000 inhabitants. So it's uh, on the north uh, coast of Brittany in uh, Côte d'Armor. It's called Pimpol. And it's uh, 8,000 people in the winter and 30,000 in the uh, summer. <laughs> <laughs> and But before that, I, I so I, I grew up, uh, you know, in Africa. I grew up in Spain. I, I kind of moved quite a lot. Um and um, half Greek, half French. 
my father was Greek and um, when I turned uh, um, almost 18 I, I basically left um, uh, France where I was living at that time and I went to Boston uh, Massachusetts to study um, uh, sound engineering and music and ended up living in Boston for 18 years <laughs> well you went to the uh, the book the College of Music which is I mean I'm not a musician myself but it one of the most prestigious places you could go to study music right uh, yeah, absolutely, and uh, especially when when you uh, when it's uh, modern music and uh, also when it has to do with technology and music. So I, I was a uh, I was a bass player, uh, but I knew that I, I you know my my music chops were not as good to be a performer uh, especially when I got there and I saw the quality of <laughs> the, the quality of the people that were playing there uh, but I've always been interested in doing more of the uh, the other side of the window so uh, doing more of the recording the engineering the sound production and ever since I was a kid I was um, I was always interested in in, in computers and music and how to mix those two things so so that's kind of what led me to Berkeley which in 1990 uh, was to my knowledge the only uh, university that had um, a music technology program that was well developed so that's why I ended up in Boston oh I didn't realize that was the the kind of the niche the kind of intersection that Berkeley had I guess it's because it's surrounded by MIT and all yeah, the tech yeah. companies that absolutely that and I actually ended up doing some work um, with the media lab at MIT um, uh, I, I I had a teacher called uh, Dr. Boulanger who was uh, uh, who still is one of one of the leading uh, kind of electronic music and and when I say electronic music I don't mean dance music I mean kind of like the crazy weird uh, sound uh, um, stuff uh, compositions and he's one of the leading guys that does that and uh, I kind of got recruited early on in his team to work on uh, something called C sound which was a programming language to build uh, synthesis modules and build uh, uh, automatic composition um, uh, tools and I don't say too much but I, I actually did do perform music using uh, 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 an old Sega glove you know those 3d gloves I don't know if you remember those <laughs> we, no, had no. we had them connected to uh, via MIDI with the two all kinds of different apps doing some crazy what most people would not call music <laughs> so if I go to YouTube and uh, Google this I'd come up with uh, some examples of his music thank, uh, of, of the music uh, music yes but thank God not of me performing it <laughs> <laughs> So, you have this really strong audio background, um, and you're developing some technical chops as well while you're there. Oh, absolutely! I, I you know, I had a, my first computer ZX81Z when I was, I think, nine years old, and uh, was develop, you know, learning a little bit, you know, a little bit of coding, things like that, and then, and then um, at uh, Berkeley, went went on to study. Um, synthesis and acoustics and things like that and also helping out I, I, I lived um, to, to earn some money to uh, I worked also part-time in my the department the music synthesis department and ended up helping people with computers so I, I always had kind of a, a mind that was inclined to to troubleshoot and to figure out the computers how computers worked how software worked 
Um, and, you know, that's kind of uh, the geeky side kind of uh, started uh, developing really heavily there. So how did you turn this into a career when you left Berkeley? Also, you didn't become the new craft work or a, an electronic musician. Um, what, what path did you take after Berkeley? Uh, so I, when I left Berkeley, I, I, I you know, I, I had basically a choice between uh, uh, following a career in uh, sound recording, and I was very interested in movies and um, and doing a fully sound editing and movie, you know, recording for movies, or going into multimedia. And um, uh, it just happened that the, f you know, a couple of days after graduation, someone offered me a job that was in multimedia, and that kind of decided the direction, you know, the f that was the fork on the, in the road, and that decided uh, my career into focusing more in multimedia and not as much onto the uh, the music side. Uh, and then I stayed in, um, so I was in the Boston area and worked for um, uh, a couple of, um, you know, four or five startups and started uh, doing uh, video editing and doing uh, special effects for video work and worked for so basically for companies that made software that worked in uh, video editing systems to create uh, effects like you know flipping the video around and and adding you know blurs and all this kind of stuff and and basically became kind of um, I guess a product designer and product technical product manager in that space and so I, I went from startups to startups it was uh it was in the you know um bef you know just before the 2000s so it was it was a great time to uh you know big uh, tech bo boom um and so worked my way in different companies doing mostly video and and um and kind of product management technical management and design of software and interfaces um in that space it did did you get to work on any projects that you can look back on now and think, "Wow, I, I worked on that video or that um, or, or that software package"? Something that really stands out from that time. Uh, well, uh, uh, one of the software package I was actually the number one employee after the uh, the boss and the creator uh, was Boris FX, and that's uh, it's still around and it's it's one of the leading. Uh, Visual effects uh, package um, for video editing systems, and that's still uh, uh, so. I basically built the uh, together with my my boss, the coder, built the first uh, the first interface, the first versions, and and it's something that's actually was used. You know, I, I, and I created a lot of preset effects for this, and it's something that um, when I watched TV, it would say, "Hey, I created that effect," <laughs> kind of thing. You know, so it's one of those things. Uh, and I still, to this day, sometimes watch a video uh, and see an effect that I created, like a template effect that I created. So that's always fun. But I think the the, the biggest one is um, so I, I at the end of my career. So I worked basically at the end of my first career. I worked so I worked in a lot of startup companies, you know, and uh, ended up the last company I worked with before I moved back to France was uh, Avid, Avid Technology, who uh, basically uh, at that time was a $2,500 people company, uh, $1 billion uh, revenue, um, and was a large company that I'd never worked at. Uh, but Avid, I don't know if you know them, it basically invented 
nonlinear editing. Their media composer is basically uh, the software that 95% of Hollywood movies and TV get uh, edited on. And I got to be um, a product manager and a product designer on that team, and, and that was uh, that was probably kind of one of the most uh, kind of rewarding professionally in that at that time. Absolutely, it's some one of the things I'm the most proud of. Yeah. So you worked with these increasingly big companies and on these increasingly big projects, and you came to a point when you decided that you wanted to go back to France? I mean, you've, you've traveled a lot beforehand. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm curious. I've, I've been here uh, 14 years in the States now. Um, I'm probably not that far away from the point that you were after 18 years deciding to go back to France. Um, what what led you to that decision? Uh, it's, a, it's a couple of factors. Uh, um, I think the biggest one is that uh, uh, we had um, both my wife and I uh, were from France and had absolutely no family in the US um, so it was kind of um, uh, you, I'm sure you know with you know in the US you get basically two weeks of vacation three weeks if you're lucky and for years we would go back to France and run around try to see all the family in two weeks and then come back from vacation absolutely exhausted um, and so, you know, missing the family uh, was one thing. And then uh, our daughter was born. And that was the, the point where, you know, the family really, you know, missing the family as an adult is one thing. And when you're working and when you're, you're really striving in your work life, but as soon as you have uh, kids and, and uh, the daughter's not seeing uh, their grandparents, the grandparents are not seeing their daughter, their granddaughter, uh, it becomes kind of harder. And together with that, um, as, you, as you said, I was going for uh, more and more kind of larger companies, um, a lot more responsibility, uh, having to deal with corporate uh, uh, politics. And basically one day my wife looked at me and said, you know, if you're going, if you go on like this for five more years, you'll have a heart attack. <laughs> and he so... You know, that's not um, that's not unusual. I um, I lived in uh, Georgia for ten years and mm -hmm. hardly met any expats, and recently moved to Florida, which is absolutely full of expats. And for a lot of them, it's a fairly stressful lifestyle because they don't have any family around to help with the kids, and especially if they have busy jobs, there's really no relief apart from maybe occasionally the family will come out to visit, but. Uh, you know, most people where they live, they have some family to to backstop them in case the kids are sick or something needs to happen. Uh, but for a family of expats who come to a different country and work really hard, it's it's a stressful life. It, it is, it is, and and I was, you know. Uh, I was working in startups and things where, where you know, working Saturdays and working uh, late hours is, is uh, absolutely uh, commonplace, if not absolutely required. <laughs> uh, and then, and then I, I moved to a large company where also, I mean, it's not because, you know, in a company, in a large company in the U.S., uh, uh, you, especially in a small group, you still have uh, lots of responsibilities. So working long hours, uh, not seeing, you know, not putting my daughter to bed uh, every night was was pretty tough and, and just kind of the you know it, it, I think 
I absolutely loved my time in the US and I think the US is an amazing place to be when you're in your 20s it's an amazing place to be when you're in your 30s but um, as if you know after that it becomes kind of the the rhythm just the the the, the pace of it becomes intense and 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 takes a toll and so uh, we did decide uh, kind of uh, about eight years eight nine years ago we did decide to uh, uh, to basically leave the US and move to from you know a very large city like Boston and move to a tiny uh, little town uh, close to where my my mother's uh, my mother lives uh, so we would have the uh, the family help and also just trying to balance this uh, having a more you know a life that is more focused on quality versus just you know the hamster wheel so what's the story behind frenchtoday.com it's been going nearly a decade now uh, so yeah so uh, the frenchtoday.com is kind of the international brand um, that led launched um, in early 2009 and before that, while we were in Boston, uh, my wife, who, you know, yeah, while I was working in startups and doing all that stuff, uh, my wife uh, became um, a French tutor uh, and built a, a really nice business around having people uh, teaching one-on-one uh, French to, to teaching French to people one-on-one. And at that time, she had um, a small company that you know had a site called LearnFrenchInBoston.com, and so that was about you know maybe 10 years earlier that site uh, existed and on that site we basically uh, it started being just kind of a, an advertising uh, site just to kind of show her services uh, her teaching services and proofreading services uh, but then kind of she she wrote uh, a little uh, book uh, that we you know, she tried to, to push to publishers and no one would take it. So um, to kind of help the community and, and kind of give back a little bit to the community, we, uh, we decided to put that book for free on our website. And then she recorded the book, so it became an audiobook. And, uh, and then uh, at that time, uh, about.com, which was at that time, you know, a huge site, uh, the French se- section of about.com basically picked up that book uh, and published it on their site, and that kind of became, uh, you know, brought us more traffic and and um, um, and basically had uh, a, a big impact on on this the, the webs this little website. And my wife continued to to uh, to teach and uh, write a couple of books and write some blog blog posts and things like that, and that site evolved. But of course, when we moved. Um, away from Boston, uh, we wanted kind of a more uh, international brand or something that that would not be associated with Boston, uh, and so we were lucky to get uh, FrenchToday.com. So your wife decided to hire to hire you as her technical support. <laughs> uh, Is that course. how it went? <laughs> Isn't that what family does? <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. I was working. Uh, uh, um, I was basically, you know, uh, during my my limited free time and one night a week. I think I remember if it was on Tuesday nights. I would come back from work. I would uh, grab a sandwich and I would work about four or five hours on her business on her web on the website to kind of. Uh, work on it, so that's how I got into the more of the website. You know, just building websites, um, the web technologies, uh, uh, learning SEO, 
and and all this kind of stuff. So so yeah, so I was kind of contracting for my wife for a little bit, and then when we moved to France, I, that basically that became my full time job. So your wife kind of moved from selling one to one classes to moving towards e commerce, selling ebooks and audio recordings. Yes, exactly. Yes. So all all the uh, all the books, you know, uh, we we really focus on audiobooks. So um, so that's really kind of uh, uh, we've actually we're moving away from the one on one teaching uh, just because it doesn't scale, um, and you know our audiobooks are um, are. You know, having success, so we're focusing on that. So, and and, and as you, you said earlier, as a two-person shop, uh, with the social media, the blog, the you know uh, the, the the website, uh, the support, and all this, it's just it's it's uh, the the one-on-one teaching is actually kind of starting to 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 uh, we're reducing that dramatically this year and past year. Yeah, on our side with. Teaching WordPress and um, and Drupal and other platforms, our business entirely started with one-on-one or or group classes in a in a in a room looking at people face to face, and went up to uh, well over half a million dollars worth of business a few years ago, and in the course of five years or so, our business, in terms of live training, has almost entirely vanished and everything's moved online. Everyone wants the book version or the audio version or the video version instead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, they, and actually the, the interesting part is that even when uh, in Boston, when my wife was doing, uh, people were, you know, we had an, uh, a home office, a special uh, uh, area set in our house where students would actually come uh, to, to take uh, one-on-one lessons with my wife. And um, so that was outside of, uh, slightly outside of Boston in the Medford uh, area. And we had, one day we had a student who could, just could not handle the 45 minute commute uh, just to get to their one hour lesson. And that student basically said, hey, you know, could, could we have a lesson by phone? And my wife said, oh, that's just, this is weird, a lesson by phone. I'm not sure it's, if it's gonna work and well, let's try. And uh, and actually, it worked really well. Uh, actually, it when you teach language, it's actually even better because a lot of times when you're watching a person and when they talk to you based on the, uh, their facial expression, based on cues, you can you can kind of you know figure out what they're saying sometimes without actually understanding what they're saying. Uh, uh, whereas, and when you have a phone conversation, you know you have to focus. On the the words, on the sentence, and so it's actually it's it's a bit harder, but it actually helps out. And uh, you know, little by little, when students learn that they could do this by phone and not actually have to 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 travel to the uh, to the home office, uh, she's even before we moved away, she, uh, about a third of the people would actually you know even though they were in the same physical area would actually call uh, because it would be easier for them. So uh, yeah, convenience is 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 absolutely a key to to any kind of teaching and um, you know be able to listen to audiobooks in your car uh, so you can be you know while you're doing something unproductive you can be productive uh, by learning something uh, this is why podcasts you know are, are still extremely uh, popular um, and 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 being able to do this you know during at, at your leisure so when 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 you have the time versus having this constraint of of, of you know, I need to be there at this particular time with this particular person. You know, it's funny that we still occasionally do live training classes, but even when we do these days, 
a majority of the people will be calling in. I will sometimes go to do a live training session and I'm doing air quotes at that point, um, live <laughs> training session and they'll take me into a room and I'll be basically connected to a GoToMeeting session and I'll be presenting to a video, there'll be one staff member in the UK, one in Australia, one in India, one in some parts of the US and even the things which are in a classroom these days have really become virtual. Um, so you did something similar, I don't think you jumped from uh, teaching people face to face to then teaching people on the phone to then uh, Skype and getting international clients? Yes, exactly. Basically doing the yeah. same thing but um, to people in Australia or around the world? Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, um, so when we moved to France, uh, um, uh, we, my wife was worried that all her Boston, uh, you know, base clientele. You know, we were worried that this would not translate well to uh, <laughs> uh, to moving uh, across the pond. But actually, um, she kept about I think about almost ninety percent of her uh, Boston client base, uh, who basically transformed from being you know one on one uh, in person uh, um, to on the phone or you know Skype, depending. At that time, Skype was still a little iffy, so now it's. You know, it's absolutely reliable for for teaching, uh, and then uh, we started expanding to you know to the different time zones and and started having students in China, students in uh, in Australia, um, as well as Europe and the U.S. So yeah, we did expand, and and then with our audiobooks, then it becomes kind of uh, uh, it was funny uh, for for another project I was looking. Um, uh, uh, yesterday, I went on to look at a stat and seeing how many different countries that had, had accessed our website in the last 24 hours, and that was 179 countries. That blew my mind. <laughs> Nearly the whole world wanting to learn French. I, I know. How, how crazy is that, right? <laughs> it, so tell me a little bit about uh, about your e-commerce journey. At some point, you had to make the leap from selling these one-to-one -one individual classes to becoming a a fully fledged e-commerce store selling uh, selling downloadable files how did you make that leap oh yeah yeah we uh, it used to be uh, 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 we used to to manufacture books uh, you know go to the local kinkos and uh, uh, print books and then uh, assemble them and then burn CDs uh, and then ship everything to uh, to people so uh, uh, we that, that that was our life for a while and and at that time we ran on Zencart I believe if I can recall correctly I don't know if you've ever used Zencart <laughs> I think it's still around um, yeah it was back in the days of uh, yes. OS commerce <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah um, and then yeah then we we when we moved to the, the shipping rates in um, um, in the US um, Especially for you know, if we were shipping our book to Australia, uh, were actually still you know reasonable. So so that's something we could still do to do physical uh, delivery. Uh, but we knew you know it was hard to scale. And also when we moved to France, the the rates, the uh, the the shipping rates for uh, sending a book from France to Australia is basically twice the cost of the book. So we basically. Um, converted all the audiobooks into um, um, downloadable delivery with PDFs and trying to automate the process and then at this point this is when uh, I moved to uh, to Joomla 
uh, Joomla uh, and went through different iterations of, uh, you know, went through Virtramart um, and ended up with uh, RedShop towards the end uh, to create kind of a, an automated, uh, you know, round-the-clock delivery system where people would just, you know, go to the website, uh, pay, and then just click on a link, and we and they would able to to download the uh, MP3 files and uh, the PDF uh, for the audiobook delivery. So, so you, I guess one of the things I really love about having been talking with you over the last few years is you've always got your um, experimentation hat on. You seem to take a great delight in discovering something new you can do. Uh, with whatever platform you're on or with MailChimp in terms of um, doing all these advanced segmentation um, and autoresponder setups. Um, it, it seems like you have this almost insatiable curiosity for discovering new ways to do things and um, you've been diving into WooCommerce lately. You moved from from Joomla to WooCommerce a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. So this this thirst for uh, for knowledge is is both uh, you know an advantage and a curse because uh, as as a geek it's 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 I love it it's beautiful as a as a business owner it's uh, it's dreadful because it's unfortunately taking uh, uh, too much of my time but it's on the other hand you know going back to that quality of life thing. Uh, this is what I like to do. You know, I, that that's the sort of thing. I'm I'm a tr troubleshooter by nature. Um, you know, as a product manager uh, in the past, and and uh, that's what I like. I like to to resolve issues. I like to find solution. That's kind of what really, you know, probably is one of the my main character traits. Um, and so I don't want to outsource that. You know, I don't. Want, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we just went through a whole website redesign where I mean I spent quite a lot of time doing uh, uh, stuff that I, as a business owner, I should probably not be doing. And my wife was, well, you know, next time we'll we'll, we'll outsource the whole website to someone. I'm like, well, no, I, that's I want to outsource <laughs> the business side to someone. I I want to keep the the, the fun part. So uh, yeah, I, I'm always kind of. Um, and as a two-person company and, and as the sole kind of technical person, um, I'm always trying to find out a way to automate something or uh, optimize something. Um, and also as, as um, you know, I, I did quite a lot of user design, uh, uh, software design, interface design. So I'm always very, very concerned about the experience, about the, uh, the user experience. Uh, are, you know, um, as opposed to a lot of people in our um, in our circle who sell, you know, plugins or, or software to other technical people, um, the our target audience uh, sometimes is absolutely non-technical. Um, you know, I've you, you cannot believe the number of times where I've had a, a support question of people saying, "Oh, what is an MP3 file?" Uh, so, um, so especially for the target audience uh, that we have, uh, it, things needs to be need to be as simple as possible, and 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 just as it needs to flow and be natural. And so, I'm always looking to improve that because I think that uh, um, when you sell a product, it's not just the quality of product, but it's also kind of the whole experience around the product. Um, you know, like, you know, try to open an Apple box, you know, just get, I, I got an iMac recently and, and just, it was, it was a pleasure to just open the, the uh, iMac box. 
So, so going back to to the this move from Joomla, uh, and actually in the Joomla community, I, I, I even uh, spoke at the uh, Joomla and Beyond, the big conference about uh, e-commerce on uh, on Joomla and things like that. And and yeah, less than less than I think six months after that that talk, uh, I jumped ship and went from uh, uh, Joomla uh, and Redshop to WooCommerce. And and actually, I did I did not I specifically did not say that I moved from Joomla to WordPress. I moved to WooCommerce. So um, I just was not satisfied with uh, with the usability and and uh, of the uh, e-commerce solutions at that time on Joomla. Um, and I was looking around and I looked you know at 10, 15 different packages and did, you know quite a lot of research. And I stumbled onto WooCommerce, and I just found the 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 usability on on the user side, on the the, the whole purchasing, uh, how clean it was, and the whole process. I just found it so so nice that I actually decided to move content management systems just to take advantage of um, of WooCommerce. And our site is an e-site, but we also have more than 600 blog posts. So. It's it's really a, a content site with a little e-commerce shop that, with 20 products, uh, and so that's why it was a big you know being to WordPress also as a content management 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 system uh, with this really powerful e-commerce uh, solution next to it, uh, completely integrated. Uh, that's why we made the switch. So we switched in, I think it was mid 2013. And I got some slack from uh, some from um, the, my Joomla peers. <laughs> I was a trader for many of them. <laughs> so, um, been four years now on WooCommerce. Um, if someone was to ask you whether it was worth moving to to WooCommerce as a platform, what would you say the the pros and cons are after having had your your fingers in the guts of WooCommerce for several years now? Uh, there are not a lot of Cons, uh, um, you know. Of course, there are there are always you know there are always things you wish uh, it did, and um, you know I, I'm actually I'm a big fan of WordPress uh, as far as the uh, the everyday use of it as a content management system, the way it handles images, the way um, you know uh, it's it's kind of and my wife loves it because she she actually spends quite a lot of time in the back end of um, of uh, WordPress, you know, creating content blogs and things like that. So she absolutely loved the switch, uh, just in terms of usability per, um, um, side. Um, I think more the the con of WordPress is more I think on the um, on the tech side on the on the uh, front end development side. So when you when you want to create templates and when you create overrides, um, you know I think a, a Joomla is a lot easier uh, I, I, in ter- at least in terms of of my understanding in terms of what I do with it uh, is a lot easier to override. Was a lot easier to do things, whereas WordPress is is much more convoluted for that. Um, also, the fact that the uh, WooCommerce database was completely intermingled with the uh, content WordPress database, that also is kind of a con. But it's, those are minor things. I think in general, um, it's unbelievable how the support issues and how the the abandonment rate on orders from uh, sw- in switching platform from one day to the other, I had about, about 20% 
of transaction that did not complete because of a PayPal integration issue because of something and something. And from switching to from um, you know Joomla to to WooCommerce overnight, basically all the all these uh, transactions basically started uh, behaving without any any problem. So um, no, I, I, I it's all it's all pros for me <laughs> at this point. Uh, uh, I, I would not dream about going anywhere else. I did see you raging on Twitter. Was it last week about a uh, the recent WooCommerce update? <laughs> Apparently, I'm not the only one. Uh, um, no, it, it was it was a minor thing. It, 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 but they just yeah. But uh, you know, I think I, I'm hearing lots of stuff in the Joomla community about it, uh, about other things. But you know, changing the way an API responds uh, without documenting it. You know, and it's something stupid that probably only affected me. But the uh, you know in in from the 2.x uh, WooCommerce version to the 3.x uh, version that came out a couple um, two months ago two three months ago uh, the same API the same version of the API the REST API uh, when it encountered uh, a non-existent product would uh, in the previous version would return zero. Uh, product ID of zero, and the new version would return a product ID of null, which sounds like it's not very different. But <laughs> when you have an applicant, when you have a mobile app that expects, you know, either uh, an actual ID or a zero, and suddenly encounters a null, um, the app crashes. <laughs> so that's why I kind of I got a little bit mad. <laughs> so un- undocumented, of course. Yeah. That- They've got in a couple of problems with their updates lately. Oh yeah, I guess they're, <laughs> they're getting better, but still not perfect. Um, it, so you've been getting in trouble with issues like this because you've been relying pretty heavily on the on the REST API coming out of WooCommerce, right? You've um, is this because of your users being somewhat basic, needing the the best experience possible, that even being a one-man shop, you've started to use the REST API to build a a mobile app, and you're building a, a desktop app as well? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, going back to the usability thing, um, you know, we, we deliver, you know, until very recently, we deliver our products to everyone as a, a folder, you know, a zip file with uh, MP3 files for the audio and a PDF uh, for the transcript. And um, there's a lot of people who do not know what a zip file is, who uh, don't know how to import their MP3 audio files into iTunes or into uh, their Windows Media Player. Um, so there, there, you know, a lot of users who, as you know, the the the, the website experience, the purchasing experience is great, and then uh, and then they get the product, and then there's a second kind of stumbling block right there and so that's one thing that I, I did not like at all and you combine that with um, if you look at you know the way Apple with the iPads um, uh, basically decided to not reveal the file system and uh, and now Apple and you know for a few years Apple has now pushed the iPad as kind of a, the alternative to a laptop for a lot of people and so there are a lot of people that do not have a computer and just have an iPad, and all these people, uh, and they tend to be the non-technical uh, people too, um, 
had a really bad experience uh, being able to to handle you know a bunch of files you know a zip file. Uh, you cannot with uh, an iPad on on iOS. You cannot expand a zip file uh, without a third-party app. <laughs> so that's. Uh, so, so the this whole kind of user experience and the fact that the the target user base uh, was one not technical and two uh, had less and less access to computers that could handle zip files uh, basically led us to have to create uh, um, mobile apps, um, which are uh, basically a player. Uh, so the app is free. So we, we still sell our, our, our books through our website. Uh, um, but you can download basically the same way that you would download an Audible uh, player or um, an Amazon player. Uh, we, we basically built apps that uh, you, through the REST API um, connect uh, to the WooCommerce store um, based on you know your username and passwords and verifies the list of audiobooks that you have purchased and that you have access to and allows them and basically gets the app to download them automatically to your uh, to your device and at the same time we built um, uh, and it's it's EPUB so we switched from PDF to EPUB for the uh, mobile uh, platform uh, and basically they allows them to at the same time uh, read the uh, EPUB and navigate the EPUB and listen to the audio uh, at the same time. So we have this custom app that has uh, an EPUB mixed in with an audio player. So what's the actual process look like if you're a, a one-man band like yourself and building a, a somewhat complex app, you've got the authentication, you've got the downloads, you've got the audio play, you've got the, uh, the EPUB reader. Um, how, what does the process look like for someone like yourself to to create an app? How how difficult is it? Uh, how how expensive is it? Uh, it's expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, that's for sure. Uh, okay. I could have bought a really nice little German car <laughs> with the price of these two apps. Um, it's oh yeah, uh, that's the the normal analogy that people come up with, right? How much is an app? Well, it depends on the, it's like a car. If uh, you want a cheap car, a medium car, an expensive exactly. car. Exactly. And, and, you know, and, and, and people, sometimes people look at you going, wait a second, I, I see this uh, online, you know, you can build your app for 600 bucks, you know, uh, uh, and, and yeah, if you have, if your app is just kind of a web, <laughs> web viewer uh, that connects to your site, uh, then yeah, you can do things a lot cheaper. But when you're building an offline media player, you know, multimedia player uh, with an integration to uh, REST API to authentication and Amazon S3 downloads, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then, yeah, then you become, you, you enter a zone where um, uh, the app development is completely custom and is uh, pretty expensive. Uh, the good thing, I was very lucky that I found uh, a great company to work with um, out of London. Uh, they were recommended. They were friends of a friend of a friend, and uh, and we. It's a small shop. There are a couple of people there, uh, but they're really, really, um, they're good, and and uh, it's been a great relationship with them. Um, as far as the design, you know, again, I, 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 this is where my I took my business hat off and I put on my product designer hat on, and honestly, when. I, I went to the company in London. I'll, I had pretty much the whole solution, you know, mapped out. 
Uh, I knew that EPUB was probably the way to go, uh, just because there's a lot of stuff that's already built into into EPUBs, and and we author the transcript part of our um, audiobooks in InDesign, and uh, InDesign has an EPUB export so that you could leverage. So. I had all these pieces together and also I had a, a, a good idea how the flow and the uh, uh, how the workflow would work, uh, how the app would, would work you know I, I downloaded you know things like the Audible app and other things and and pulled put together some a lot of mockups so I you know I had a lot of info which I think the company I worked with uh, really liked which was it was not like oh I need an app it was like I need an app that does this here are the sketches here are the mockup here's exactly what I needed to do so uh, it made the the process a lot easier um, unfortunately I think I, I, I gave them a hard you know hard time when when it came to QA because I also <laughs> did QA in a, in a previous life and and I was finding all these things that uh, you know did take quite a lot of time to fix <laughs> it, it must have gone pretty well right because you're almost immediately planning to, to build more apps now so yeah, so we built, we started with the uh, iOS app um, and launched that. I believe uh, it was actually uh, back in September, uh, last September of last year, and that went really well. And we right away we worked on an Android app at the same time, and you know it was slightly delayed. And we launched that two days before the Black Friday sale, which which. You know, the the business side of me would would slap myself <laughs> for doing a launching a whole app, uh, uh, you know, two days before uh, you know the the biggest days of sales of, of the year uh, for my business. But that worked well. And once I started looking at, you know, uh, you know, I had the apps in my hand and the whole experience. Uh, once I started seeing how bad the old experience was compared to the ones using the mobile apps. Um, I, I thought this it was we had to basically build desktop apps. So we're now in the process of of building the equivalent app uh, for Mac and Windows. Uh, another reason, for example, is in in Europe uh, they sell uh, a, a Windows version, uh, Windows EU, that does not have a media player built in, that does not have a zip expansion built in. So even when you have a computer, you know, a modern Windows 10 computer that you just bought, uh, you get a zip file and, and, and your, the OS just, you know, stumbles on it. And so that's the way the industry, that's the way computers are going. That's the way the industry is going. So, so I think we, we need to bite the bullet and, and have stop delivering, you know, a bunch of files. Just have one app, you know, on each platform, one common login and have a user experience that is you know flawless so i'm asking this because you're the kind of person that would probably know this but um how many of your users are actually using the apps as opposed to downloading the files and trying some uh some other hacky method of getting the files onto their machine uh, how how much usage are these apps getting uh, so, so that is also the, the 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 beauty also of having mobile apps versus files is that for the first time in our uh, company's uh, life, we actually had some visibility into how our products were used. You know, in the past we would just you know send a link and that was it. You know, we we got you know great feedback coming back. You know, we have amazing reviews and stuff. And uh, but that was it. We we didn't know how 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 long you know how people used it 
to study if they actually did study with them um, and the mobile apps and and in the desktop app in the future actually give us a good visibility into you know how long they're spending into an app you know how long they're spending on a particular chapter um, a lot of our um, you know, one of the, 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 the kind of unique things that our audiobooks have is they have multiple, it's, they're recorded at multiple speeds, kind of a street French speed and then a, a much more slower speed. So now we actually have visibility into, you know, do people, you know, study more with the street version? Do people study more with the, uh, um, the, the, the slowed down kind of more basic version? So, uh, but in terms of use, um, it, it's, it, again, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's like going to the gym, right? So you you buy, you know, a lot of people buy a gym membership and never go. Uh, so you know, we knew that you know, x a certain percentage of people who bought our product probably never even you know opened them. <laughs> uh, and and then there's you know a percentage of those that then actually listen to it through once, and there's a percentage of actually people who work you know, really hard and spend time. So it's kind of, that number is still, we're still kind of uh, defining that number. Uh, but I would say a good, you know, in terms of usage, I would say, um, um, I would say a good 30 to 40% of the people who bought the product use them regularly on mobile. Also, it's, um, I guess it's almost a final step of your journey. You started off with your wife sitting in a room in Boston and getting people to drive over to her, then you moved over to phone calls, moved over to Skype, moved over to uh, to downloadable PDFs, moved on to uh, to audio files, moved on now to uh, to apps. Um, you've got a in the course of eight nine years or so, you've mm -hmm. gone through that transition you know, four or five times. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you, you sound like you're having fun rather than uh, you were tired I guess by the time your uh, your spell in Boston had come to an end um, but every time I talk to you now you feel uh, you know, curious, invigorated, working on something new. Um, uh, absolutely. It, I mean, uh, being your own boss is one thing. You know, well, actually, my technically my wife is my boss, but you know, don't tell her that. Uh, um, you know, being your own boss is. You know, I, I do play a lot of tennis also, and and you know, I I uh, I can three four times a week. I can basically in the middle of a day, you know, just take off and go play an hour of tennis, two hours of tennis. Um, so yeah, we, we I do work hard, but uh, I'm, I see my daughter every morning, every every uh, evening. Um, you know, I get to 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 enjoy you know you know going out for a walk, uh, you know playing tennis. So the the there's a lot of work to do. We you know my 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 to do list is you know is multiple pages long, and 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 you know more is added than things are taken off of it every day. But in terms of quality of life, it's fantastic. You know, we're lucky enough that you know we we've got a a, a good product. Um, uh, we, as you mentioned earlier, you know we we're pretty well uh, uh, you know ranked um, on Google. Uh, so we do get traffic. You know, it gives us uh, enough revenue to live comfortably with the you know the the three of us. And, uh, 
um, so yeah, no, I am super happy, and 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 I would uh, I would never go back to another life to different <laughs> to to a different life again. I mean, that's just uh, the 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 flexibility, the freedom, and the sense of uh, fulfillment. Also, I mean, that's that's one of the things. You know, my wife and I have been married 21 years. Um, you know, we have a life project together. You know, with our daughter, with our marriage, and but we also have a business project together. And then we we uh, it's it's our baby. You know, we've 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 worked so hard at it, and we we're the you know the buck stops. You know, at my wife and I. So uh, we're incredibly proud of 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 what we can do, and and we have you know you know in terms of when you talk about transitions you know we have ideas also about the future it's not we're not done yet uh, in terms of you know switching technologies switching uh, adding new things um, so no it's it's absolutely i'm i'm super happy uh, about uh, this evolution in my second career <laughs> oh it's wonderful to hear and maybe that might be a good final question I mean, where do you want to take french today next obviously you've got uh, some desktop apps coming uh, beyond that what are you imagining for the next couple of years? VR? No. <laughs> Every, everyone's doing VR now. Is that, isn't, that, isn't that what we should be doing? <laughs> you should be doing a, um, a chatbot app. You get um, a little bot that pretends to be your wife and will answer your questions in French. <laughs> exactly. Maybe in um, Facebook Messenger? Yeah, no. I, I think, you know, you know, teaching language is is uh, is a very it's kind of a specific thing. So uh, there, there's definitely we have you know we have a, a couple more levels to our method, uh, our Amois Paris method, which is uh, uh, level one through five right now, and we have you know three more levels planned out. Uh, one that I'm supposed to be uh, proofreading very soon. Um, so that that we know in terms of products, you know, the, the, there's a method to finish. There's a bunch of different audiobooks to write. Uh, in terms of uh, technology, there are you know the apps. Um, I've always wanted to do some sort of subscription type product, um, uh, but you know it's it's kind of uh, at the same time it's 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 great from a business point of view, but from a, um, uh, a Kind of you know again this quality quality of life you know having you know being forced to do something on a regular basis for subscription uh, so we've always kind of shied away from that we've we've tried some forays into video um, uh, using kind of Sims and uh, Minecraft to teach French, which is kind of uh, uh, some fun experiences, uh, experiments we did on uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, but again, you know, possibly looking at um, you know, right now our method is geared towards uh, English speakers trying to learn French. And who knows, maybe we might be targeting, you know, Spanish speakers trying to learn French or, or Chinese speakers trying to learn French. So the world is, there. you know, there's no lack of projects. Yeah, and French isn't going anywhere anytime soon. You've got to... Uh, I hope not. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, it's not as if you're teaching uh, the latest JavaScript framework, is it? it um, exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> That'll be gone uh, in a couple of weeks, but French will be there until until you want to retire. Yes, hopefully. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I ever retire. Well, well it, yeah, it sounds like you're having too much fun at the moment. I think so. Um, it, so if anyone um, is listening to this and is interested in um, uh, in your WooCommerce experience, uh, you're planning to go to WooConf in Seattle, is that right? Uh, still debating. Uh, I, I, yeah, I went uh, last year. Had a great time in uh, in Austin. Uh, I'm still debating about if I'm if I'm going to be able to go to this time. 
cool. Well, wonderful. It's um, a joy to talk to you as always, yeah. Olivia. And, and, and uh, uh, if, if people have any questions or if they want to interact, they can uh, reach me on Twitter uh, at Olivier K. Uh, you know, feel free to uh, to let me know if you have any questions or if you're. Uh, I'm I'm pretty open about uh, our business and and the technology and how we put things together. So if I can help anyone uh, with that, uh, I'll be happy to. Great. I'll go back and drop uh, a link to your Twitter in the show notes, plus also French Today, and maybe I'll try and dig up some of that music um, that you're making in Boston. (laughs) (laughs) And put a link in the show notes uh, to that also. (laughs) Cool. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thanks a lot, Steve. Nice talking to you.